Welcome to Boost Power Podcast. Inspiration, insights, and ideas for your business and your journey. Welcome to Boost Power Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Wiersma. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. So make it a great one by what you listen to, who you meet, what you learn, and what you choose. Today we are on the road on a wild adventure. I am here in the middle of Maui with Eve Hogan in her incredible sacred garden, retreat center, gift store, place of healing. Eve, welcome to Boost Power Podcast. Thank you so much. It's a delight to have you here. Well, this is a God thing. As all of you who listen to me know, I'm always open, right? Open, open, open. So someone heard my radio show on PBS who contacted me and as a boondoggle, Doug and I are in Maui. And I said, hey, let's have lunch. And she's like, I can't. I'm on a different island. So I said, who do you know in Maui? And she said, Eve is the center of Maui's healing community. She is an innovator. You will love her. So (laughs) we are so happy to be here. So I like to kind of start with um, Eve. Tell us your story. Uh, The purpose of Boost Power Podcast is so women can relate to other women's stories and hear themselves in our stories. And I think your story got pretty interesting the last year. It did. But um, like, let's should I start, start there. there. And go back no. <laughs> let's first start for the first part. Start about like growing up, were you that person? You know, could you see your future self in your past self? And what was kind of your path to this journey? So I had this amazing spiritual and very creative family, which was really wonderful in Eastern philosophy, which was really um, a unique upbringing. So I definitely got steeped in a world of creativity, a mom who was an art teacher and dad who was kind of a philosopher kind of guy, you know. Um, But I wouldn't say I could see my future at all. In fact, I think I ended up kind of a classic teenager with low self-esteem, looking for love in all the wrong places, not knowing what to do with myself. And I ultimately ended up deciding to become a school teacher because my mom was a teacher, my sister was a teacher, my brother was a professor. I kind of went, well, you know, it's what we do. Let's be a teacher. (laughs) Yeah. But I didn't like it. I didn't like teaching math, English, social studies, and science any more than I liked going through it in the first place. And so I wasn't really happy with my job. And miraculously, this was a God thing. Um, my school district sends you on those professional development days, and they sent me to a workshop by Jack Canfield. Yes, of course. But this was before Jack Canfield was as, was as well known. Jack Canfield, yeah, this right? was before Chicken Soup, and he was back then. He was teaching parents and teachers how to work with kids to enhance self-esteem. And I had one of those aha days. Like, one of the huge ahas was, "Wow, this is what I this this I'm not teaching subjects. I'm teaching children." And that was a huge but shift. subtle shift that just made me see my role in such a more powerful way. Like instead of I'm just a school teacher teaching math, I'm like I'm I'm an important pe- person in these children's lives, and I can make a difference. You know, it was so powerful. Um, the other thing that was deeply revealed to me was my own lack of self-esteem, which was showing up in my relationships and my discomfort with my job and like different things. It was showing up, and so I committed myself that day to really. Um, study. Like I knew I wanted to do what Jack was doing, similar kinds of work, but I knew I wasn't ready. And that in order to teach self-esteem, I had to have self-esteem. And so I really embraced studying, doing women's support groups, taking Jack's 10-day seminar, you know, like that kind of stuff. And and, um, and just 
totally changed the course of my life. And part of that ended up being where I started working with the kids, but I also started working with the other teachers because I'd send the kids to the next class over and that teacher would emotionally beat them up. Then I'd send them home and the parents would, you know, do the same and the parents would come to me and tell me that they weren't getting along. So I started applying the principles to relationships and it kind of spiraled from there into doing a lot of relationship work, relationship with self, relationship with other, relationship with spirit. It's fascinating because as someone, you and I have some similar paths about trying to take peace to the world, love to the world. And underneath is the same teenage low self-esteem girl. And no matter what happens, no matter a loving husband of 20 years, yeah. no matter athletes raising a million dollars inside me, I look in the mirror and say, yeah, but I think everybody does. So and crazy. it's so crazy because I had these amazing parents, solid family, stable situation, spiritual upbringing, no drama. In fact, this is a funny story to tell you, if you don't mind. Um, about 20 years ago, I had a friend, I just released a book and a friend of mine who was also an author and had a kind of a radio show thing like this. He said, I'd like to interview you on my radio show. And I said, oh, great. And he goes, but it's on overcoming adversity. So what adversity had you have you overcome? And um, I struggled with an answer for him and he ended up not letting me be on his show because I didn't, my only adversity I had at that point was my oldest brother and his wife were missing at sea, which was a big deal, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't enough. enough. <laughs> it wasn't adversity enough. And I was just t joking with my sister a couple days ago because I, somebody just, I, I went to a psychic recently who said I've just earned some really strong credentials and I'm like, oh wow, my credentials are from adversity university. <laughs> you know? That is true. Yeah. So it, 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 isn't that just, I mean, that's just fascinating, but I like to just go off what, you know, spirit and big God always tell me to ask, but it's just so curious that we spend our whole life not having adversity enough. Like it's not enough isn't that, funny? that we can't have the right body shape. It's not yeah. enough. We can't I know. have the, the right breast size or be Barbie, but then someone would, have the gall to say, well, I'm not so sure. I'm not sure your life has sucked enough, but I kind of get it because, you know, you can't tell people how to live a better life if you've never had anything to overcome. I guess it's the th philosophy, you know? I mean, like, um, I can tell you how to have self-esteem from a place of self-esteem, but if I haven't had to earn that self-esteem, it might not be valuable information. So I understood, I but it was just ironic. And then, like, for the last 20 years, I've had significant adversity so now i'm qualified to have so this you talk are so, but you know i kind of believe though too that god uses the deep dark doo-doo we go through because we can stand for the next person and i have had a hip recall so not only hip replacement from a horrific accident uh, where my friend passed away but then i got the opportunity to have a hip that was recalled oh by the government gosh. because i got metal on metal poisoning so they had to go back into the same hip and do a redo. So taking your car back to the shop is one thing. Right. Having your hip redone yeah, and starting over again. And I thought, oh okay, gosh. God, yeah, wait a minute. What is this whole metaphor about starting over again, learning how to walk right. around, trusting? But, but then I can stand with those who yeah. are having whatever and say, okay, I remember the dark day that right. I, and I also have a good shingles off the record story that yeah. I'll tell you later <laughs> due to the location. Oh, just gosh. Saying, oh, just say, so you growing up, you found your path to education. You had a shift about how, that, how the what was going to manifest for you, that it was going to be about touching the people. Mm -hmm. And then how did that ever take you along to a, a place of building a <laughs> uh, retreat center, a spiritual garden, your own um, 
cosmic symbols, a right, nonprofit. Right. Like it feels like, wow, how did you, you know, get there from I feel there? like I've just been following the carrots that the, the divine has been putting in front of me. But how it went from there is I started focusing on relationships and then I came on I came to Maui on vacation and I met this man. And I was like, whoa, this guy's gorgeous. Oh my gosh, you know, so we spent a week getting to know each other and then I came home and I went, okay, what do I know? I know he looks good. I know he feels good, but I don't know if he is good. And I didn't want to uproot my life and leave my teaching job to move to Hawaii to be with a guy who was just a boyfriend for a while. You know, just another guy. I'd been there, done that. Yeah. was pretty over that idea. And, and he felt the same because he'd had a woman move here to be with him and that it didn't work out. And so the dilemma was that we were 3,000 miles apart. And how do we find out if it's good if we can't be together to find that out? Because I didn't even want to move to find out without knowing first, which is not necessarily possible. So we started asking each other questions on the phone. And mind you, Betsy, this was back before um, cell phones and before wireless phones. So we were stuck to the wall talking to each other on the phone and phone calls were expensive. And, you know, we were we would talk for hours every evening and we would ask each other questions about you know, do we want to have children? Or what's our spiritual beliefs? What are our goals? What, how do we handle finances? And, you know, we asked all these questions. And then we started asking other people, what do I need to know? And people would tell us it was like a Rorschach. They, you know, whatever they thought you should ask was what they were dealing with, right? So we started gathering questions from people, both in our workplace and our social world and getting on the phone and asking questions. And then we realized, wow, if we need help with this, other people might too. So we st I started compiling it as a book, which ended up turning into intellectual foreplay which is a provocative title for Think First. Yeah. And it's questions to explore with yourself so you know who you are and what you want and what your non-negotiables are and for asking somebody else so that you can see whether you're really a match. And so we did this on the phone for five months and then I moved over here and we got married and it was 29 years late. We've been married for 29 oh, years. Oh, what a great yeah. story. Yeah, so, but that turned into, um, you know, here I was on Maui, still teaching school. You know, then we wanted to move up country because we wanted to get away from the, you know, it's a, funny to call it a city because it's like a very small community, but yeah. we wanted to get into the country. And so yeah. we started looking for a place. And this is where the divine just got really heavily involved because this property came up uh, that I call the Sacred Garden. And it had a 10,000 square foot greenhouse on it that was totally run down and had previously been an orchid farm that they were smuggling heroin in, in the bottom of the orchids. So it got... Um, you know, it didn't get confiscated, but it got shut down and they had to sell it under distress to, a, oh, you know, and it had this like dark energy, like literally the room we're sitting in right now, which I call the mother shrine, which is such a sacred space, used to give me goosebumps, the bad kind, because it was so creepy in here. Like it just, the whole greenhouse was so dark, literally and figuratively. I just didn't, my husband wanted to tear it down. And um, the, I just got this message no, you need to transform it. And I'm like, no, I don't do gardens. <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, Hello. sorry. I do, you know, I'm a relationship specialist and I'm a labyrinth facilitator yeah. and I do this and I do that. I don't do gardens. No, you need to get in the garden. And I kept resisting. And then the voice said, your name is Eve. Get in the garden. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I know all of you are like, don't take a break on this one. Don't take a break. How can we be in a heroin past facility, <laughs> a darkness that is a sacred garden with a woman named Eve, no accident, and she had intellectual foreplay. I know, but I still have to go to break. This is Betsy Weersma. We'll be right back. You are listening to Boost Power Podcast with your host, Betsy Weersma. 
we are part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network, women who amplify their voices and are committed to inspiring all people with podcasts on purpose. Enjoy these true stories and proven business tips for your business and your life. Now, back to Boost. And we're back. I know. I know. I'm on the edge of my seat also because who knew? Who knew the whole tie-in? But this is just a point that I need to say out loud. Always say yes. Always say yes and be open because you just never know who you're going to meet, what story you can capture, how this story that Eve is telling is exactly what you are meant to hear. That is why you found us and that is why we serve you. So we are back with Eve. We are in the sacred garden. It has been transformed. I walked in and I had goosebumps on my goosebumps. Every spirit that travels with me are all like, you're home to your Maui sacred garden with your new friend Eve. So so here you are. So you found this place. You found this person, uh, which I so respect as a person with a practice marriage who finally found my soulmate under a radio and a head down in black tennis shoes and mumbling around. And there he was. Uh, yes, that path is so secret. And for you to help people along it is so great from from the right place, from the place of love and sharing of experience, not the should, yeah. the should on. And uh, Jack Canfield is someone who, um, one of my best friends, Dr. Deb Sandella, actually works with Jack. Nice. And is one of the facilitators, so I have such a heart for his great yeah, work. Yeah, he does really great work. And, you it's know, clean. It's, it's really clean. I think it's clean. He's one you of know, the few where it's yeah. really clean. I mean, yeah, he has products and, and things, but they're all on purpose for good. And, yeah. and he is who he says he is, and he's yeah. a great husband and a great partner for my friend who's yeah. been with Jack. Gosh, working with Jack 20 years, That's Dr. Awesome. Deb Sandella. So, okay, so here we are. You said, what the heck? What's a little gardening in a rundown <laughs> place that's now turned into a transformational place? Yeah. So did you go get funding? Did you No, it's been it? all, it's just all been a little bit by a little bit by a little bit and other people like, so originally before I got that message, I rented the space out to a nurseryman who really started transforming it into a normal, beautiful nursery. But he was not here very often and he was getting behind in rent. And so that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to have to bring somebody else in to do this. And that's when I got the guidance that I needed to do it. And, um, but he had already done a lot, of the, a lot of the initial transformation work into a nursery, but it was just a nursery. And then I got this idea to get a giant, beautiful Buddha. And I thought maybe a big, beautiful Buddha would shift the energy in there. And um, my sister was here visiting and we were driving to the other side of the island when this epiphany struck me. I like, we need a big Buddha, but where are we going to get one? And we couldn't figure out where we'd find a Buddha on Maui. And going to another country to find one could take forever and cost a lot of money. And so on our little drive downtown, we just dismissed all the ways that I could get one, like giving a friend to an importer. He might bring back one with a scowl on his face because Buddhas are not all created equal. You know, so... I dismissed it as impossible and then realized it was pouring rain where we were going. So I went, well, let's go, let's go check out this store downtown and we, um, you know, maybe we'll find something to decorate the garden. And we pulled up in front of the store and it was closed. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my sister's here visiting. It's raining. What are we going to do? You know, I'm like trying to entertain her, right? And I'd already dismissed the Buddha as an option at all when the store right next to the store that we were going to put out an open sign. So I'll go, oh, let's go look at their stuff. And we walk in and there is this giant, beautiful, stunning Buddha, 10 feet in the front door. I went, oh my God, that's the Buddha 
that I want. you were sent here for. Yeah, I literally <laughs> drove from a I need a Buddha to a Buddha, to the Buddha. <laughs> and um, I walked up to the lady, I said, look, I love that Buddha, I want that Buddha, I can't afford that Buddha. And she goes, she goes, well, make me an offer, he's on consignment. And then I went paralyzed because I, I didn't have a Buddha budget. I had just yeah. thought of this a few minutes ago. Yeah, really, this is a new Buddha idea. <laughs> this is a new Buddha idea and I don't have any money. You know, this was years ago and we just bought this property and my sister came over and offered them like two thirds of what they were asking. And, um, and the lady goes, well, let me make a phone call. You know, so I walked over to the Buddha. I said, look, here's the deal. If you want to come home and be part of the sacred garden, you got to make this price work because if they start negotiating, I'm not going to have the guts to, I'm not going to have the, the resources nor the chutzpah or the anything to go higher. So if this is what you want, it's your will. I defer to you. Happen. And then we went and looked at furniture, right? <laughs> it's a furniture store. The lady walks over and said, you'll never believe this. There's been a man negotiating on this Buddha for a week, going back and forth with the owner of the store and the owner of the Buddha. And the, you know, they've been going back and forth. Um, and they finally agreed on the rock bottom price they would accept yesterday. And he was supposed to come in and pay for it by five o'clock last night, but he never showed up. And you girls walked in at opening and offered the exact same price that they'd already accepted. So we don't have to do any negotiation. You, the Buddha is yours. And so. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know. So meant to be. Love. I mean, there's so many, I call them proof stories, but there are so many stories like that, that let me know that I was um, following the divine wisdom. And I personally feel like one of the things they kind of got wrong in the secret, if you will, like I hate to be so judgmental as to say they got yeah. it wrong, well, but your observation. it's my yeah. observation is that people feel like the idea of manifestation is ordering God around. This is what my will is, you deliver, like God is our um, servant or our genie on the bottle we rubbed and we get to be a wish, you know, our wish fulfilling genie. My experience is it's the other way around and that when we tune in and listen to what uh, is being requested of us, then magic happens. And that's what I feel like, even though I was very resistant and I, I heard it, but I resisted it. Once I finally said, okay, I'll deliver. Boy, you know, it's like what my mom used to say, every step you take toward God, God takes a thousand steps towards you. You know, I don't know who that was quoting, but she was quoting someone. And, um, and I really felt like that. That's like, as soon as I said, yes, the universe just, the Buddha showed up and magical things and happened. And if you're listening to this today, again, you're listening exactly to the story of Eve that you needed to hear because so many times people say, well, how did you get a podcast? And I said, I just made one. <laughs> like there was no human that came and said, and I will gift you. I just got a podcast player and started interviewing women all over the world. Well, how do you get to interview women? I call them and ask them <laughs> if they would like to tell their story. And I just do it. Well, what about, there? you just do it. And so I'm just... I'm enjoying this moment of being here and hearing these stories and just knowing how perfect your stories are for all the women in the Camp Experience Network and all the women that listen all over the world. Wonderful. Well, um, you've talked a lot about trust and purpose. And when I studied you on your website, you had this incredible photograph of you with your <laughs> hair down to your waist. And I thought, like, that is that woman that has that hair down to her waist. She can stand in her sacred garden in her flowing frock. And uh, today, as I talk to you, you have no longer your hair down to your waist because you've had what we call the opportunity for personal growth. Uh, it's been a big opportunity. Uh, adversity this, university. Yeah, <laughs> adversity university. So uh, many people will go through 
lots of health challenges and is is to the level of your comfort. Will you tell us a little oh, absolutely. A bit about your cancer journey? Yeah. So just so y'all know, I'm bald. <laughs> I was telling my um, sister this morning, people used to compare me to Farrah Fawcett and now they're comparing me to Len Annie Lennox. <laughs> there you go. I have an Wait a minute. Shift. <laughs> I have a really, I think I'm like doing my Buddhist nun look now, right? <laughs> I tell you what though, you were so beautiful without your big head of hair, which is just, again, a whole podcast in itself about our external look or package and who we are, yeah. the being that lives inside. Well, I'll tell you, this one is still so new because I, and what people don't know is I, I have drain tubes coming out of me right now. I had a double mastectomy two weeks ago. So this is all very fresh. And, I, and I'm really grateful for this opportunity because I haven't been doing, since COVID and cancer, I haven't been doing this work much. And um, it's really great to just stop and look at what is the growth that's happened and what has the opportunity been because um, back in July of last year, um, I got a phone call from my, you know, from Kaiser, my provider that said, hey, it's time for your annual mam mammogram. Would you like to do it? And what I am um, now almost embarrassed to say is I always say no. Um, I, I bought into the belief that mammograms are overdone, that they, um, they diagnose things that aren't there, like, you know, and I, I've, I got fed a story that I, I bought into. And, I, and I, so I've been saying no to mammograms for a really long time. And so every time they call me, I say no. And then they called me and I went, huh. And for whatever reason, I didn't say no. I paused and I said, well, how long has it been? And I would have told you it had been five or six years. And they go, it's been 12 years. Oh, goodness. And I went, huh, well, okay, I'll do it. You know, once every 12 years can't be that bad for you, right? What the heck? <laughs> Wrong. So anyways, I went in and did it, and, um, and they go, oh, huh, you know, can you stay for a couple more tests? And um, by the end of the day, I was signed up for a biopsy, and, you know, in a matter of weeks, I discovered that I had breast cancer which was quite a shock because I did not feel it. I did not know I had it. I didn't, I did, you know, I do the self exams you're supposed sure. to do, never would have known. So it was quite a shock. And since then I've been through four months of chemo that was not fun. Like I tell people, I don't have an identification with having cancer. I have an identification with having chemo, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and that led to, a, um, yeah, I needed a single mastectomy, but I ended up doing a double just because it's a long story. But yeah. anyhow, so um, there, there I am, you know, adversity university. <laughs> but I'm, I'm. It's been such a, uh, like you were saying, the loss of the. I mean, just the loss of things that we identify with. That um, I will just own, uh, thinking I'm farther above my ego than my hair and my breasts. <laughs> not true <laughs> you know i had big hair and big boobs and i had a no really strong recognition of how much of my identity was in my um externals if you will and what a process it's been first to lose my hair and to have to become comfortable like i mean it's only been a couple of weeks since i don't have a little hat on my head you know like i went i just go to costco with my bald head now but for a while it was like you know it was it was a it was a journey to get comfortable with my face i feel like i've always been able to hide behind my hair and it's it's not like there's anything wrong with my face it's just it was a whole package, you know. <laughs> and well, my hair said, garden. My hair said fun, you know. I had yeah. curly, long, Beautiful. wild hair, uncontrollable, wild hair. Yes. and I felt like my hair spoke for me that way, and it told people something about me. And then it was gone, and I had to, I had to own who I was without my hair. And 
you know, in some odd way, having um, an ample bazoom <laughs> did the same thing. I was like, okay, you know, it's a, it's the up front and center part of who I am, and and having to come to grips with that and the whole decision process of do I go flat, mm -hmm. do I do reconstruction, yeah. and that Betsy, I I'm just gonna share if it's okay that that was a big spiritual mind game too because my first reaction was well I'm almost sixty. I don't need boobs anymore. I'm going to go flat. I'm spiritually evolved. I don't need breasts anymore. You know, like, and, and then I realized that it was all spiritual ego guiding my decision. And I think spiritual ego is the most slippery, dangerous kind because I, it was camouflaging as spirituality when I re finally kind of took a step back and went, wow, this is spiritual ego driving me. Like, I want to be able to say I'm above this superficial thing. Yeah. So I finally decided not to do that. And then I went toward um, doing implants, yeah. which was a whole different spiritual journey because quite honestly, I judged women with implants my entire life. Of course, yes. And um, I completely judged them. And, I, and I, I'm ashamed to say, although I'm glad to say that I know this now, there's not one single woman who I've seen with breast implants who I ever stopped to wonder whether they had to have them due to cancer right. or an illness or something that happened, never once. I always thought it was just an ego-driven mm -hmm. decision. Mm -hmm. And um, God, you know, that's so, I mean, how judgmental can we be of our sisters, you know? And even if they did it for an ego-driven reason, you know, it's their reason. And, you know, like I'm really, I'm just really having to, you know, take a little bit of humble pie on that whole scene because, now I think it's hysterical that I look like a Buddhist nun with fake boobs. <laughs> and that you're beautiful and vibrant and alive to serve and to be this story. Yeah. And and I can understand. Uh, me too. I never was blessed with breasts. Nothing I had. Never really occurred to me to have them. But, you know, it's an issue that, again, everybody has their thing mm -hmm. where they identify with their body shape. I've always identified with, oh, gosh, I have my dad's body shape. Yeah. Yay. Yay. <laughs> you know, and I've really been working because I, too, am right at the edge of 60. I'm 59 and a half and me, holding. Me, and, too. Uh, When's your birthday? April. Mine, too. When's yours? 26. 18th. See? See? I'm just right before you. Oh, you are. <laughs> you are. You're going to have to come to Colorado. This, this will be in the past tense when this airs, but... We're having a celebration for our charities in April, which I'm disguising as my 60th birthday party. Oh, nice. Tell all my friends, That's like, awesome. we're having a charity party, but it's really my 60th yeah, birthday. Wow, well, happy birthday. Well, happy birthday <laughs> to us. But it's funny, I kind of have, because I have this weight conversation, and I said, what if your big God wants you to serve just in the shape and size you are? Because the person that's going to relate to you can see themselves in you. Mm -hmm. And you never could be a Barbie doll. You tried since you were a kid. Never worked out. Right. So what if at 60 years old, vibrant, healthy, and of service is beautiful? Right. And I think that, you know, vibrant, healthy, and of service without a beautiful flock of hair and the past breasts you were blessed with... Um, that maybe is the blessing in you. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know you any other way. So I right. look at your beautiful face and say, oh, my gosh, you Thank covered you. that up. Yeah. <laughs> Sister <laughs> friend. Oh, my gosh. You're Thank such a you. gift to the world. Well, what is next for you? So uh, I always like we could go on for like a year. We could. <laughs> so um, I want to talk to you about many ideas that I'm having in this conversation. But 
What is next for you as you sit here now, still going through this process? What do you look ahead to? So that is a really good question. And it's actually the one I'm, I'm working on the most with my own journey right now, because you know, um, I always say that you can't fix a machine while it's running. And um, this year for everybody, you know, well, almost everybody, the machine stopped running, you know, with COVID, we had that big kind of standstill and shut down and all of these things. And, and, um, and then with cancer, it kind of put an exclamation point on that. And so now I feel like I'm just coming out of that. I feel like the cancer is going to be really un, you know, it's under control. It looks like it's gone. Um, you know, just have to do a few more little hoops to jump through. And the COVID thing looks like it's hopefully going to be resolving soon, knock on wood. Um, so who do I want to be now? And obviously something I was doing before, was not really the best for my own being because I ended up with cancer. And I will tell you, I was a, I am, um, I would say, I'm going to use past tense, type A personality who jokingly walked around saying, I know why goddesses have eight arms because you need them for all the things that you're running. Amen. All the Sister. juggling. Cannot juggle all this without eight Come arms. Right? Just a couple more things. <laughs> Let me guess. Keep say it yes. on this plate right say here. Yes. Yeah. So um, now I'm going, okay, the machine stopped and I have, an, and it's not really fully started up. And so I have that opportunity now to say, what do I want to change? And what do I want to step back into that I was doing before? And what do I want to tweak? And what do I want to release and let go of? And so I honestly don't know what's up next. Um, I do feel like I don't feel like an, a cancer expert. So I don't want to say I'm going to go out and be the cancer spokesperson because there's no way I'm a cancer expert uh, in any way, shape or form. And I feel like what I've been through has been mild compared to what some of my sisters have and our sisters have been through. Um, but I do feel like bringing the tool set that I had prior to cancer to cancer has made this journey so much easier. Like having a tool set and a skill set and a perspective and a practice has been such a blessing. And so I, I do foresee weaving those two together in some ways. And I, um, I just want to really continue helping people have a tool set and a practice so that when the caca hits the fan, no matter what it is, whether it's a pandemic or a job loss or a, 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 a family member who passes away or, or health issues, that we have um, the tools to help us see it through. And so I feel like that adversity training is, <laughs> is uh, ironically my, my next phase. Well, and I hope you are keeping the sacred garden as a destination yes. because I foresee bringing my sisters here from around the world because it feels just like such a special place to gather. I, I can't wait to bring art here and yeah. sit in this garden and do art and walk the labyrinth and all the things. And oh, I cannot stop without talking about your nonprofit, Divine Nature Alliance, and peace starts here and the symbol you designed. Right. So talk all about that. Okay, so um, the, I decided to turn the Sacred Garden into a nonprofit um, entity, um, and I needed a name for it. And I was, like the Sacred Garden was separate from the, like the nonprofit yeah. runs the Sacred Garden. So I was debating what name to call it. And Divine Nature Alliance just popped in. And for me, it was because the whole idea here is for helping people um, connect to the divine in the beauty of nature and to recognize the beauty of their own nature as divine. And so I went, oh, that's Divine Nature Alliance. And the idea of the Alliance is working with other organizations or other people and really um, bringing, into, um, bringing together a place where people can feel who they really are in the portal of nature. And then you designed this emblem, right. which I'm fascinated by. <laughs> 
that you can wear in four different ways that means four different things. And right. Did you personally design? I that? designed it. Yeah, and it was so. I this was back when when I um, I had my website. I was trying to figure out what to do for my website, and of course, EveHogan.com, which I do have now, never occurred to me. I was wanting to do it about my work, right? Of course. And so I'm like, well, what do I do? Like, and I do the heart. I do relationship work, and I do labyrinth work, but I couldn't come up with a name for my website that combined those. And then I had a dream that it should be heartpath.com. And I, I woke up and went, HeartPath? Oh, I love that. It's the heart and the journey. So I ended up being able to get the URL. And then I went, oh, I need a, I need a logo for this, right? But every time I drew a heart-shaped um, journey type thing, it, it ended up more labyrinth-like than logo-like because it had too many concentric hearts. And so I'm doodling this thing, and I can't get it the way I think it should look. And somebody sitting next to me from the side goes, wow, you know that looks just like an ohm which means God in Sanskrit, right. Right. looks just like an ohm from the side. And so I actually turned my paper and drew an ohm instead. And um, it ended up being two. In, and so when I turned it back upright, it was two entwined hearts, which is like mother and child or sweethearts or however. It was a labyrinth journey into an open heart. And then when I turned it to the, I guess, one clockwise, one way, it looked like an ohm. Yeah. And I went, wow, I wonder if it's anything any other way. And I turned it counterclockwise and it spelled Eve. Yeah. <laughs> it's just hard to do this auditorially without showing you, but it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. I went, wow, that's my name. You know, yeah. like I'm freaking out. <laughs> and then it, this has especially new meaning. When you turn it completely upside down, I always jokingly say, well, it's the divine feminine boobs and butts because it has these two, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I thought, well, now that's even more funny now. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's got all of this it's got in my all logo. of it in it. Yeah. When I was doing my homework for this podcast. I was like, you cannot make this up. Yeah, I know, this right? Woman made a symbol that is beautiful to wear as jewelry. Can't wait to go buy one. And it means all these things. And it's sacred. And it spells her name. Right, <laughs> I love it all. Right. So a wonderful company called David Designs did the actual jewelry for yeah. me. And um, then when we started Peace Starts Here, so Peace Starts Here movement is a movement within the Divine Nature Alliance um, of just inviting people to be ambassadors of peace and the recognition that we can't have peace in the Middle East or in Jerusalem or in anywhere else in the world uh, in Washington, D.C. We can't have peace anywhere if we don't have peace in our own lives, in our own hearts, in our own houses, and in our own relationships. And so it's a, I, I changed the, the double heart to lead into a peace sign. So it's two hearts with a peace sign. And uh, the reminder that this is a journey inward to find peace, and then we want to bring that peace from the inside back out into the world. And so I invite people to get the emblem, and like we have a little medallion, you can take pictures all over the world. And, you know, I'm, what I haven't done a good job of yet, and when I find a good team member for this, I want to really create a website that shows the pictures from all over the world because I've gotten them from India and from um, Israel and from um, just, you know, people have taken them in China, they've taken them on the wall of China all over the world and send me these amazing pictures with the peace starts here as a reminder that we take it with us wherever we go. It's not and something. I will shoot them all over Denver for you. Awesome. My favorite position. Let's see where else. Oak will be in Oakland heading home and uh, I will take them with us 
on our journey. Well, tell everyone how to find you and then we'll do your final card drawing. All right. So you can go to evehogan.com and kind of get a general overview. Um, I also have the Sacred Garden has its own website, which is sacredgardenmaui.com. And I also run a retreat business called Heart Path Journeys, where I do personal private retreats for individuals and couples. Um, and we do have a vacation rental here on, on the property. So you can just come and stay here if you want to. And that would be sacredmauiretreats.com. All that, all that, <laughs> and running a place that used to have darkness that's turned into light, surviving life's opportunity for personal growth called cancer and loss and COVID. Eve, you're such a blessing. So this Thank is so you. fun because I've been doing these on Zoom now for a year. You get to actually shuffle your dreaming wow, deck. Wow, that's awesome. And no one has touched the deck wow. for a year because I have to do it online and I have to let people send their energy to the deck. So this is my first deck, which was made of angel cards. I probably just turned them all in the wrong direction. Matter. Here we go. You, perfect. <laughs> um, but pick the card you're supposed to pick, and then you're going to answer a question for our okay. audience of exactly what you're supposed to answer. All right. What brings you joy? What brings uh, you joy? That's beautiful. So I'm supposed to answer that question? Yes, you are. That's your on-the-spot answer. Um, so definitely uh, time in nature and time with animals. And um, I really just know that I really uh, sustain myself and, and, and heal myself in nature. Um, but I also really get a lot of joy from um, moments like this, you know, we're connecting with um, the soul tribe and where we lift each other up. Well, I know you're all like me, like, Betsy, how did you manifest this one? And you know that this is the story. You keep saying yes, and you keep being open, and you come of service with no agenda, just to bring joy, and that's how it works. You find the people, places, and things for common good to serve together, and this is so fun for me. Thank you all for listening to Boost Power Podcast. As you know, this is developed so you can plug in to new ideas, stories, amazing, mostly women, occasionally a man. We did have my husband down on that one podcast. Mostly women from all over the world who are serving big in their own skill set, their own way, their own style. Please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite service and share this with like-minded people who want to be uplifted and inspired. I am your host, Betsy Weersma. Thank you for listening to Boost Power Podcast and plugging into stories from the journey of business and life. Our music today is by singer-songwriter Megan Burt. We are recorded at Cinder Sound Studios and we're part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network. Women who amplify their voices and are committed to inspiring all people with podcasts on purpose. Learn more at globalsisterhoodpodcastnetwork.com.